1: It's Tuesday, June 27th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, the Guardians are in Kansas City, uh set to open a three-game series with the Royals. Uh the coming off an off day after a loss to the uh Brewers in extra innings at home to close out the uh, the home stand. Uh the uh, you know as far as the, this point in the schedule, this is a, a good, you know, place to be. They've got they're a game and a half behind Minnesota as the Twins lost uh, the series opener against Atlanta on Monday night. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity for the Guardians to maybe pull even with, or uh, even take uh, take a half game lead uh, by the end of this series over the Twins uh, if things go right.
0: Yeah, this is uh, you know, like you said, it's a, it's an opportunity for them, Joe. Uh, you know, they, this is the start of a six game home, home um, a road trip, uh, three in Kansas City, three against the Cubs at Wrigley. Um, you know, so uh, they, they they're, they're playing decent baseball. Cleveland is there's you know, they're six. They've won six of their last 10. Um, you know, the twins have a really tough matchup with probably the best team in baseball in Atlanta. And uh, Kansas City is down. They they are they are struggling. They're rebuilding uh they are 10 and 28 at home uh so uh, you know if you're going to if you're going to make a move this would be a good time to do it
1: yeah it's uh, an important week uh coming up for Cleveland uh, also a chance to see Kansas City's new manager Matt Gitaro, uh and uh new uh pitching coach uh Brian Sweeney uh both with Cleveland connections Sweeney of course the bullpen coach for the last uh previous seven, several several years with Cleveland and uh Quataro was an assistant hitting coach here uh for a while um all uh, both really good guys uh and and just a, a a great uh you know opportunity for them to to sort of build things from the ground up in Kansas City because right now Kansas City needs a, a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah, they are uh taking the slings and arrows right now uh, Quataro and Sweeney. It uh, can't be easy when you are 22 and 56, you know, at the end of June. Uh, you know, you're you're 17 games out of uh, out of the worst, of, you know, out of first place in the worst division in baseball. Uh, so uh, you know, those are growing pains, and uh, hopefully, uh, the Roy- the Royals' management knew that when they brought uh, Quatraro and Sweeney on, and uh, are patient
1: with them. Uh, you know, the, the the problem for the longest time with Kansas City has been the pitching. And you know they they did build through the draft and, and try and draft uh, you know high draft picks uh, with uh, you know t- pitching talent and, and try to refill their uh, their pitching system that way, uh, but they, they seem to be running into injuries uh, and and uh, guys who were highly touted uh, picks, guys like Brady Singer who who haven't really taken on and become you know dominant you know frontline pitchers, uh, whereas the the Guardians and their um, Their sort of pitching formula or their pitching system uh, keeps producing guys who who look like at least serviceable major league uh, rotation pieces. And, you know, we're just finding out about guys like uh, Gavin Williams, who will make his his second start tonight.
0: Yeah, you know, I was looking at uh, you look at the Royals uh, injured injured list, and it is packed, Joe. I mean, they've got they've I think they've got probably close to fifteen guys on the IL, and that's what usually goes hand in hand with the with a season like this. You know, just got and you know Amir Garrett, you know the lefty they got they brought over from uh, the Reds is on there uh Brad Keller who's you know been a kind of a long time swing guy in that rotation he's hurt uh Josh Taylor you know th- there's a bunch of pitchers on that on that injured list and, and uh and a big time uh, first baseman Vinny uh, Pasquatino you know, who's a big power hitter and he's out for the year with a shoulder injury. So, you know, so they there's a reason they not only are they rebuilding, but there's a reason that they're 22 and 56. They just they just can't stay healthy.
1: Quincy, how is it that you can go through and breeze through Vinny Pasquitino? And not even stumble over that one, but every time you see Jonathan Scope written on a, a, a on a uh, uh, in a game story or in, a, in notes or anything like that, it's it comes out shoop. Or <laughs> I, I just uh, it, it's amazing to me. You, you I, I I knew you were going for Vinny Pasquitino. I'm I'm like here it comes, here it comes, and you nailed it. I'm like this is uh, we're gonna mark this down. Uh, you know, five minutes into today's podcast. Uh, uh Paul Hoynes just absolutely dunks on Vinny Pasquatino's name. That was uh that was great. I I, I got to give it. Uh the the Royals have to be nervous coming in because Jose Ramirez uh is not only coming off of uh you know a pretty hot homestand for for him uh but you know historically and uh, especially over the last season uh Jose Ramirez pretty much owned the Royals. I mean jose ramirez drove in 21 runs
0: against uh, kansas city last year i mean that's a career for some guys 21 rbis joe i mean that's uh that amazed me when i when i read that i saw it i had to double check it and uh you know it is you know he is he has owned them he's owned their body and soul and uh so, I think he's done the same thing to Detroit. He may have had 21 RBIs against the Tigers last year as well. So, you know, I was just wondering what that does you know with the uh, with the change in schedule this year you know what that does what'll that'll do to Jose's RBI total because he's not playing um, the Royals and Tigers 19 times each you know there you know this the cut it's cut back to 13 games and then well, here we are at the end of June and this is the first time uh the uh, Cleveland and Kansas City are playing each other
1: yeah, it's a, that's a scheduling quirk that, you know, is, is kind of weird. You're already in June and you haven't seen everybody yet in the uh, in the division. Uh, you're at the end of June. It's almost July. Uh, that, that's kind of crazy. Plus, uh, you know, it puts a little more emphasis on uh, some of the later meetings, like especially if you uh, if you look at, at the what the August and September meetings between uh, the late August and uh, mid-September meetings between the Guardians and the Twins. Those series become, you know, way more important. So, uh, yeah, th- this is you're gonna see the the, the Royals, uh, you know, a couple of times here now, and and you gotta get uh, you gotta make your money here uh, against the teams that you're supposed to beat, uh, because you're not like you said you're not seeing them as many times in a in the season. Uh, you take advantage of the the Royals and the Tigers and playing in the division that you play in. Uh, as you've written in the past uh, the the gift that keeps on giving was the decision to jump into the AL Central uh when when the the divisional uh format was switched uh, yeah de- yeah that was definitely a big a big plus for them joe as uh, as far as news uh goes right now surrounding the team uh you know not a lot uh, we haven't uh, we'll find out today if uh um they've made any roster moves in terms of uh you know we had talked yesterday about Gabriel Arias and the possibility of him uh, maybe being optioned to Columbus and, and bringing up uh, a hot-hitting Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, won't know about that until uh, you're in the clubhouse later on today uh, as, as a possibility. But if that doesn't happen, uh, you know, then uh, they, those are the guys that they have out there. Uh, Arias has been struggling lately, um, and you, you just wait and see what they're going to do to try and inject some offense into this lineup. Yeah, definitely.
0: You know, the uh the Tito's running that same lineup out there. He doesn't have a lot of options. You know, I mean you can you could use Freeman, you know, you can uh you know, you but there's not a whole lot of bench guys that he can fit into that that uh you know that that lineup and he's really you know, they've got to get Quan going. You know, Quan has been you know, he's been in and out, but he hasn't been the Quan from last year, I don't think, Joe. And uh if he they get him going because Rosario Ramirez, Naylor, you know, have, have been okay. We've seen some signs of life from Jimenez, uh, Freeman. I like the way he swung the bat. Brennan is coming off that that shoulder injury, so we after a hot streak, so we'll have to see how he responds. And uh, they're going to have to do something with uh, with Arias. I, I you know, I don't know how you you get him back to where he was. You know, just in the in the middle of this previous month when you guys were in uh in Baltimore he looked like he was coming out of it but you know he he kind of looks lost at the plate to me now Joe
1: yeah and, and you know a guy that you you didn't mention there um is uh, Andres Jimenez who is also uh, you know starting to heat up uh, over his last several games um he uh you know he's he's driving the ball a little more he's uh putting the ball in play not swinging and missing as much and over his last, what, um, uh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, since May 30th, he's hitting 304, 19 RBIs in 23 games. So uh, 18 multi-hit games in that stretch for Andres Jimenez. You don't even realize it. He just sort of, you know, crept up on everybody uh, and, and is starting to look like the Andres Jimenez that we got used to seeing last year.
0: Yeah, that's a good sign for sure. Uh, you know, he's just had, you know, really kind of a a miserable start to the season. April and May didn't look like himself. Didn't look like the guy, you know, the All Star from last year. So hopefully he's catching fire, Joe, because they certainly need him.
1: Uh, Joey Cantillo, one of the, uh, I guess the the last piece of that Mike Clevenger trade with uh, Can, uh, with uh, uh, San Diego. Um, he's was he's been named to the American League uh, roster for the All Star Futures game. Uh, that game will be Saturday, uh, the eighth of July, in Seattle. Uh, just nice to see uh, Cantillo, who was the youngest guy uh, involved in that trade, youngest of the five players acquired by uh, the Guardians uh, in that trade uh, for Mike Clevenger. Um, you know, a couple of those guys no longer, Owen Miller and Austin Hedges no longer in the system, uh, but you still got Cal Quantrill, you still got uh Josh Naylor it's uh, it's true what they say how uh you know you don't really get the the full effect of what that uh, a big blockbuster trade like that um turns out to be until you know several years later uh here we are 3 years later and and you've got you know potentially three big pieces still uh affecting your major league club yeah definitely uh, you know especially uh Naylor
0: jeez oh man he's you know where would they be without uh, Josh Naylor right now i mean he's kind of saved that to the middle of that lineup he's been a consistent uh run producer uh you know he's he's in the lineup every day uh just uh you know he's really you know solidified the middle of that lineup uh you know given some uh protection to Ramirez and uh yeah i mean and you know so uh, you know we'll have to you know that, that like you're right you know you can't they always say you can't really you know, dissect a trade until three or four or five years down the road.
1: Uh, all right. So uh, as far as uh, dissecting trades and, and anticipating moves here, I uh, want to make sure you guys are uh, are on board with subtext. Uh, you can uh, log on to cleveland.com slash subtext or send a message to 216-208-4346. It's three ninety nine a month to join, and uh, you get uh, behind-the-scenes texts from myself and from Hoynesy. Uh, you'd be the first ones to know as soon as Hoynesy walks into the clubhouse in Kansas City uh, if any new faces are uh, have joined the team on the road. Uh, we'll find out then. Uh, but uh, Guardian Subtext uh, is uh, we have a lot of fun with the uh, the users going back and forth, with them sending messages. So uh or Cleveland dot com slash Subtext to join. Uh, Hey, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the story that, uh, you know, was on cleveland.com yesterday, uh, put it up for the off day, uh, about broken bats. I had a, a lot of fun, uh, going around and talking to a bunch of people in the clubhouse, uh, getting stories, uh, getting their feelings and their thoughts on, on, uh, broken bats and, you know, what happens when a, a hitter breaks a bat or what a pitcher is trying to accomplish in breaking a bat and, uh, found out some interesting things about what happens to the pieces of a bat when, uh, when they, um, you know, when a bat shatters during a game, uh, you know, we talked to Tony Amato, the clubhouse manager, uh, and, uh, um, an equipment manager there, uh, in, in, on the guardian side. And, you know, he gave me some, some real good background on, you know, the authentication process and, you know, which players sort of want their, uh, their pieces of their bats back because they don't want them on the market, uh, for, um, collectors and, and people like that to, to sell and trade. So, uh, just a lot of interesting stories, uh, but I, I one of the more fascinating things I, I learned in researching that that piece was uh, Stephen Kwan once went almost an entire minor league season and didn't break a bat. He only he only used one bat uh, more than you know what he had had started with, just because uh, he, you know he didn't break one. And then the following year, he's out practicing in the cages in Arizona, and he takes the Uh, the bat out there that he had had used all season, and he shatters it on a batting practice fastball, and he he was so devastated because he said it was like his baby. It was his his favorite (laughs) thing. Yeah, that
0: was was funny. Uh, You know, those guys, uh, you know, for one bat for the whole season, that's unbelievable. I mean, the way these guys break bats, you know, I mean, that seems impossible.
1: Well, and also what seems impossible about that is, Stephen Kwan can't be swinging the heaviest of bats. I mean, he's got to be swinging a, a, a pretty light bat and you know facing some of the guys that he faces, unless you're barreling pretty much you know as as many uh, at least hitting the ball on the sweet spot so that it's not on the handle. It's not off the end of the bat. Uh, it, it's really kind of amazing that he went an entire season and only used one bat uh, because it, 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 just by the sheer number of pitches you face you've got to have an opportunity to, to to break a bat more often yeah and uh
0: that, that was really interesting you know the, the, it reminded me you know the, at old comiskey park there used to be the stand in the middle of the lot in the corner of the locker room and it was a steak bone you know riveted to the stand like screwed into the stand and the, and the players would like you know, run their bats over it. They bone their bats over it. You know, especially if, you know, if they had, they look for those good. Uh, what do they call them? Seams in the wood, and mm-hmm. it, that would harden the bat, and that would you know keep the bat. You know, would keep the bat from breaking until uh, one day Albert Bell had a bad day and broke the, broke the bone. He he shattered the bone with his bat. So, but you know that's I do. I don't know if players still do that. I, I haven't seen that you know done in a long time.
1: Yeah, that's uh, it takes me back to the, the line in uh, The Natural where Robert Redford is uh, is talking about his Wonderboy bat. And he said he uh, he he boned it to, to make it harder so that it wouldn't so that it wouldn't break. And then, you know, obviously the 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 climax of the movie when he 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 splinters the bat and shatters it. Uh, but uh, he tells Bobby to go pick him out a winner and uh, pick him out a winner. And he did, uh, the, the Savoy special. He goes out there and he hits the home run with it to win the game. Uh, yeah, the, the the broken bat, uh, sort of uh, from the pitcher's perspective, I thought was really interesting. Uh, Sam Hentges told me that every time he throws a pitch to a left-handed batter, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get in on him, get in on his fists, break his bat, get him to roll over to the, to, to the right side of the infield. Uh, I just thought that that was, you know, uh from an approach standpoint that uh you know for for guys to be trying to break bats that's pretty interesting
0: yeah i, I didn't you know that really like sam hench's like he's you could see when just reading the story and reading the quotes from him you could see how happy he was when he breaks a bat <laughs> i mean that that was his oh. goal you know and you know he's kind of such a kind of straight I, you know i don't know if i've ever seen him smile he's just kind of you know that deadpan uh gives always talks to you but you know it looked like he took great delight
1: in that so that was that was eye-opening to me well well as as much as you could that came across from from Henches uh, Aaron Savali, uh, you know, who's normally, you know, pretty subdued. Uh, and, and this was after he, uh, he had pitched in a game and I, I went over and I talked to him after we, we talked to him post game. And, and we went on for uh, a little while about, uh, you know, breaking bats. Cause Cam Gallagher said, boy, if there's one guy in the, uh, in the clubhouse who really takes pleasure in breaking bats, it's, it's Aaron Savali because Savali sort of the analytical approach. He said, uh, you know you get a lot of good feedback when you break a bat because you know that your your pitches are doing what you want them to do you know your your cutter and your sinker they're moving east west they're they're getting that good late movement that's so essential to the formula for breaking a bat you know it's it's trying to 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 get a guy to swing at a pitch that he doesn't want to swing at. But also, if he's going to swing at it, you want the ball to be six inches to the right or six inches to the left so that it's missing a barrel. If you break a bat, that's what you've done. You've, you've, you've missed the barrel, and that, that accomplishes you know m- most of what your goal is as a pitcher. The other thing that Savali said was you can't be afraid. If you're trying to break bats, you can't be afraid uh, of contact. You've got to know that they're going to swing, and there's, a, there's a, a degree of fearlessness in there, and, and that really came across in talking to, uh, to Savali about that.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, you know, he, Savali's always thinking, you know. He throws about seven or eight pitches, different pitches, you know, he's always tinkering, he's always thinking, he's always kind of manipulating the baseball and uh, you know, now we know one of the reasons he does that is to break guys bats and, you know, I guess pitchers love that, man. They they yeah. they must they must get a kick out of it.
1: I think the only uh the, the only follow-up I think I want to write about this uh, right off of this story I want to reach out. I didn't have enough time uh, to reach out to Doug Bear, uh, the journeyman uh, relief <laughs> pitcher who uh, won a World Series with the, the Tigers in 1984. Uh, he's actually from Defiance. He went to um, Bowling Green, uh, and uh, you know he had a, a long career, 15 year career uh, in the uh, the the majors with a bunch of different teams. Uh, but when I asked Terry Francona. You know, was there ever one pitcher in your career that you faced who could break your bat, you know, without, you know, it was a broken bat waiting to happen? Uh, He said Doug Bear. He said he faced him in a game uh, in St. Louis uh, back in 1981, and he broke three bats in one at bat for for Francona. (laughs) Francona said he kept going back to the dugout, and Chris Spire, who was a veteran uh, who was batting behind him, he was on deck. Uh, and and Chris Spire just you know wagged a finger in his face and said no 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 more don't break another one uh, and, and Francona wind up stri- striking out twice in that game so uh, all very interesting a lot of fun uh, researching that post and uh, and and getting into into sort of the ins and outs of uh, of broken bats uh, you know uh, for for the off day this past Monday.
0: Yeah, that was interesting. Another part, like you, when when uh, Tony Amato was talking to you, why, why, why are hitters so paranoid about keeping their broken bats? I mean, what do they do with them, Joe? I mean, do they keep them in a barrel in the garage, or do they use it for firewood? You know, well, it's just, you know, why I that was so weird.
1: Well, and and some of them have deals where you know they they exchange they, they give the broken bat out instead of instead of having to give away their game bats which they would use. Uh, for for charities or whatever, they they give them the broken ones and oh, okay. uh, they they sign them. And the, uh, Tony was was telling us about a a signing uh, bat that they do uh, for for Jose. He he went when they were in Arizona. He sat down and he signed a bunch of bats so that those bats get given away for uh you know charity auctions and things like that. So uh yeah, but I, I can see why they would you know want to be protective of you know something that was theirs getting out there and being sold for you know, X amount of dollars on uh, for memorabilia and collectors and all that. Uh, that, that that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, Stephen Kwan said, you know, he might have been a little more protective of bats when uh, he was buying his own in the in the minors. But now uh, now that he's up with the, you know, the big club, they got they got people taking care of him with that. So, you know, it's not really that big of a thing. He said it's just lumber. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, I and uh, you know, we we did talk, we talked to Tony Amato about this. We didn't talk to Scotty about this, even though he wants a shout out on the podcast. Little so, shout out uh, to Scotty, <laughs> yeah, shout out to Scotty here on the podcast. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you, uh, after tomorrow's game in or tonight's game in Kansas City. Uh, Hoinsie, we'll talk to you then.
0: All right, Joe.